welcome to The Upshot, Lindsay World Disc Golf's podcast about the latest in the disc golf world. I am the editor, Charlie Eisenhood. Joining me is Josh Mansfield. And I have to say, it's like, I feel like I haven't talked about disc golf in weeks because we had no Elite Series event this weekend. We didn't really have any big tournament this weekend. And so, Josh, we get a little bit of a breather. And I think I think the pros needed it. You know, Ricky's like posting from Mexico. He's like having drinks and ceviche and whatever. <laughs> and, uh, you know, people are people needed a break after all of these tournaments in a row. And I think I did, too. How about you? Oh, without a doubt. It, it really was nice to just watch some basketball, watch some hockey and get some other sports and just not have to worry about what my take was going to be on the <laughs> reacts show after the game was over. <laughs> uh, but I, it, it makes me excited to get back to the disc golf, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, that's the thing, right? It refreshes you. Right. Um, now I want to find a quick email here. And this, this is from Andrew. I, I just think it's, it's topical right now. Uh, Here's my take, says Andrew. I'm getting sick and tired of professional disc golfers complaining about tournaments being held every weekend. Why are purses and contracts going up in dollar value? Because there is value to me as a consumer. I spend my hard-earned money on a DGN subscription, an an Upshot subscription, and Patreon for three different podcasts because I want to be entertained. I want to watch disc golf every weekend, and I am not going to lie, I feel entitled to it. I love it, Andrew. Speak, Andrew. Uh, First world problem, I know, but let's compare it to other mainstream sports. Let's look at baseball, 162 games a year with a three-month offseason. This works out to roughly 162 games in 275 days, which during the season is 113 days off with no game. Some of those 113 days off are going to be travel days, but the others that are not travel days are, are not just off days. Players don't just get to sit around unless they are pitchers who are lazy. <laughs> yes. Uh, they have workouts, etc. And, uh, you know, not every game is going to be great, but I want to have the entertainment on a regular basis. I know I am in the minority, says Andrew, and enjoyed watching the DDO, but I liked it because to me, it seems like it was more of a mental tournament, if that makes sense. My point is, if you're getting paid top dollar and you want people to keep paying, then we expect to be entertained. And that happens when tournaments are on. I feel like the pros want top dollar and have super high expectations of the tournaments that they play and will blast any tournament that doesn't meet those expectations on social media, but then whine when the consumers expect not to have to find something to do for three weeks because there is no disc golf on TV. Am I being whiny? Yes, and I know it, but it is my (laughs) dollars going towards their salaries, buying their discs, and supporting their sponsors. Do I expect them to play every tournament? No, they can't. Their bodies will not survive. I guess what I want is for them to take tournaments off and not complain about it. So, thoughts, Josh? It's a good take. Like, you know, I'm I'm actually, I don't hate it. Uh, I think the point, I think what it highlights is that we're in an interesting dichotomy where you have very diverse player kind of portfolios is the way to put it, I guess. Uh, you're right. Like, should the guys who are making seven-figure contracts every year be complaining about the fact that there's too much golf? 
Probably not. That's honestly a fair point. Um, because the sport is still one that is built around people who either A, are, you know, just, and, and this, you know, Ricky and Paul and all them, they're still driving in vans. They still have 12, 14 hours of drive time in between tournaments that they have to turn around and get ready for. But it's a sport that is still built around people who are living out of vans on minimal salaries and making cash is critical to them being able to get you know to the next week. And that depends on having lots of tournaments available. And, and so that's that's a fair point that, that we need that kind of tournament both for the fan experience but also for a majority of the player experience i think the one thing i would say that becomes difficult is for uh the players who are kind of the uh, like jen allen for example i mean jen allen still holds a full-time job while she's a touring professional that those are people it's we just have such a diverse group of folks who are playing professional disc golf at this point it's hard to build a tour that is both representative of the majority but as well is designed around a world in which players are making top dollar and how do you it's it's a hard balance to strike but you know yeah, I good good on you, Andrew. I like the I like the take. I like I appreciate the honesty. Yeah. Of like, <laughs> am I being whiny? Yes. Am I entitled? <laughs> yes, I am. Uh but on the other hand, like I started thinking about it and I was thinking about other professional sports. And it's true. Like mm-hmm. in other professional sports, regardless of the sport, football, hockey, baseball, soccer, whatever. Every weekend during their season, there is there is content. There are yes. games. And of course, in many sports, there are games during the week as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, basically in all of them, right? Except I mean, football. Base- well, football has Thursday night games, Josh. And they do, but they only Monday have one games. a week guaranteed. I understand. I understand. But but I see what you're obviously saying. Obviously, football, there's just really no option. Like even already, like Thursday is too much because these... Mm-hmm people are going into war every week you know they need time to recover there's just not really an option right but, i mean it is kind of true like the pros do whine a little bit <laughs> like they do and this it makes sense why the pro tour wants to go this way mm-hmm. and I, I know and like i feel like i'm contradicting myself a little bit from what i've said in the past where it's like after a major i need a break well maybe i need a break but does the tour need a break? Because like there are fans out there like Andrew who want to watch every single weekend and tune into the live every weekend. I mean, I once asked, like, who watches all of the live coverage? And like mm-hmm. people emailed him were like, I pretty much watch all of it. Like, yeah, I may not be fully paying attention to it at all times, but I've got it on in the background when I'm like hanging out with my kids uh, on the weekdays. And like, you know, I'll have it on my phone if I'm out playing around. And like, yeah. This is an entertainment product for the fans. Players complaining because they have to play a bunch of tournaments in a row. Like there, there's two solutions, right? One is to increase the number of tournaments in order to make it easier to skip stuff or mm-hmm. decrease the number of tournaments and so that everybody plays pretty much everything. And it makes sense from the DGPT standpoint to say to yourself, we want to sell subscriptions to DGN. The best way to do that is to have DGN content happening every weekend. Yep. It makes sense. It does. 
Now let's look at the PGA Tour schedule, okay? Because this is the professional golf tournament tour that we can look to as a as a baseline. So keep in mind, the 2022 season starts in the fall. Now remember, the Pro Tour is experimenting that with that this year with a couple Silver Series events mm-hmm. after the Pro Tour Championship that will count towards the 2023 tour. So they play... Starting September 16th of 2021, they play uh, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, ten straight weekends. They take Thanksgiving week off. Then they play two tournaments in December, and then they take a, a break for the holidays. Then they're back in January, and it looks like they pretty much play every single weekend. I mean, there's some weekends where there's two tournaments happening at the same time uh when do they take their next break maybe there is no break i'm like scrolling the list tournament 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 ninth or 12 duh, duh, duh. like they they essentially play every weekend except for the major holidays in the winter and then this the tour wraps up at the tour championship at the end of august i guess then you know there's a couple weeks off and then the following tournament like the following season's tournaments begin a couple weeks later in September. So, there you go. Literally every weekend you can watch <laughs> golf. It, it, Except on Christmas, but like who wants right. to watch a golf tournament <laughs> on Christmas? Some people out there do. Right. Uh, you know, I I think you're right. I think and I think part of the reason we've been so inclined to say, "Oh, well we kind of want less." is because like we've talked about how there's kind of the the mix of sport, you know, mix in the sport of terms of demographics of who plays. So is true of disc golf media. You have the disc golf pro tour and Jomez that do this full time, but you know, Charlie, you run a, an ulti world for ultimate and follow club and college ultimate. I work jobs as well that are outside of disc golf. I wish disc golf was just my full-time livelihood, but it's not. And so you and I also are like, trying to create content while at the same time balancing other parts of things that are not disc golf in our lives. And, and I think that's something that's just in the growing pains of the sport where you have the desire and the demand for content, but you also have professionals and content creators alike who also are not doing this full time. And so it's an interesting balance that people have to strike in a world where you have a growing sport. And while we have not given fair consideration, I think that there are some really legitimate arguments as to why the solution to growing pains is just to grow faster and get to the point where it's, you know, sustainable to do an entertainment product that delivers on the weekly it's a it's an interesting concept i mean i think it's also a challenge for the pro tour because not only do you have to worry about making sure that your staff are able to work through it you know the pga tour has however many staff right and they're right. They're, they're they're selling big contracts out to these you know nbc and cbs and whoever mm-hmm. to come in and do the golf uh, so they're not like doing the media like the pro tour is doing all of it itself. And can you really have it happening every single weekend with your current staffing? Like probably not. People will just not survive it. You know, it's right. just too much to have to work every single weekend. But it, it's a solvable problem if you staff up, if you give people like weekend only jobs where they only work for tournaments and then they're not like on the payroll during Monday to Friday. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, whatever it is, Monday to Wednesday, I guess. Um, 
but I think I do think it's an interesting idea. It would require the tour to probably like reduce the standards a little bit of like what it means to be a pro tour event. Can they really maintain the level of you know elite series pro tour event every weekend? I, that maybe eventually, but that that's a challenge to get to that. Yeah. So something very something curious to follow along. But Andrew's point is well taken. As a fan, and it's true, right? These players are not getting these big dollar contracts because they're just because they're good at disc golf. Like this is some kind of team, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, deal in the NFL, right? That's that's not what this is. They're getting this dollars because there's a lot of amateur players who look up to them and buy their discs. Simple, yep. simple. This is this is a business decision from the manufacturers, and that means that the fans should feel like they deserve to be entertained i i can't argue with that yeah <laughs> all right so let's let's move on uh we're, we're catching up on something that we uh brought up a, i don't know six weeks ago or something we've had such a long stretch of tournaments that we haven't ha- really had time to stop and smell the roses at all uh but we asked people to email in with ideas for segments thoughts on the show and uh mentioned that we were going to be doing a subscription giveaway and we're going to do that today. So we've got five names picked out, and we're we're going to share those with you in just a moment. But first, Josh, I just want to say what an amazing audience we have. So many great emails. Like it literally took like many hours of time to just go through the emails, read the emails, digest I- ideas, and we have so many cool new segment concepts. Some of which we're going to debut today. Others of which we're going to debut in the future. Um, and just lots of really great feedback for the show. And so thank you to everybody who emailed in. We really appreciate it. Josh, what were your general takeaways from what we uh, what we got in our emails? I, I would I would just have to say that there are a lot of people who are really thoughtful about kind of the way they want to see narratives built around the Disc Golf Pro Tour and kind of the depth of those narratives. I, th- I think one of the fair points is that when whether it be courses whether it be players whether it be tournaments people want to see a little bit more behind the scenes and really appreciate that look and there were different segment ideas of of how we get there but i think that was a really general theme is how do we get more depth not just breadth and kind of expand our view then of the sport and i think that was something that i really appreciated seeing and and getting some perspective on of kind of the interest level and that's because that's something that we're always trying to match right you you can it's easy to get too niche to get into the weeds a little too much and people feel like it's not relevant but it feels like people really do want to try and get a broader and, and deeper view of the sport and that was something that i really appreciated seeing from those emails Absolutely. And I, I think, you know, we got a lot of really good, both positive and negative feedback mm-hmm. about, you know, the way we set up segments on the show, uh, the, the kind of the quality of the way the podcast is put together every week, I guess. Um, and there's some stuff in there that like, I already know that we should be doing and <laughs> we're going to take steps to do soon in terms of like the way we introduce segments and you know, audio quality things. So we appreciate that. Never hesitate to email us with uh, your thoughts, upshot at ultiworld.com. And um, so, yeah, uh, a couple segments we're going to do today that we're going to introduce today. And one that I'll share that we're going to start doing 
immediately before Elite Series events. Uh, today, we're going to introduce the Rookie Report, where we pick two rookies from both MPO and FPO, and we follow their season. Now, we're not going to do this every single week, but we'll check in once a month or so on how they're doing, where they stand in the PDGA Rookie of the Year race, uh, what we've seen from them during the season. So we'll do that in a little bit. Uh, and that idea came from, was that from Joel? That was from Joel. Yep. All right. Joel, Joel Proshan, thank you for the email and the idea. We are also going to do a segment called Devil's Advocate, where a one of us has a take and the other person has to argue against the take. Uh, so we, we both, we both argue for one of us for one of us against the idea. Um, and obviously we do stuff like that on the show on a regular basis, but we don't always disagree. So in this case, we're (laughs) forced to disagree. So that should be fun. We'll, we'll do that in a little bit here on the show. And Josh, tell us about the, uh, the fantasy segment we'll be doing before elite series events. Yeah, there, there were a couple of people that wrote in on this. Uh, Frank is one of them. And, you know, if I think Frank put it best in his email, Frank wants to see kind of like a f- fantasy player check. And right now there isn't really a standard. This is how fantasy is done. But fantasy disc golf is increasing. And, and at the very least, it kind of gives you an update on, on players. So we're going to be doing a fantasy check in before tournaments that kind of track where players injury statuses are. If people aren't playing who they are kind of refreshing on that. And then also going for like value picks of the week. Let's say you've, you have Eagle McMahon on your fantasy team and you know he's out for a while. We're going to give you then some v- uh, value replacements that you can pull that would be in the short term. Uh, maybe with its salary cap for- version, you're limited in terms of how much you'd have available and where you can find some value. Also kind of opportunities for your grip six, pick six. Uh, just trying to help you out on the fantasy side for those of you who participate in that. And as it grows, I think the segment will grow in popularity too. Yeah. And I mean, this is just a stopgap until we can, we can bet on disc golf futures on DraftKings. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's, that's right. really where we're at here, uh, but it, it, it'll be fun. And so, you know, availability, uh, generally we'll do this on Thursdays, but if there's four round tournaments, we'll, we'll do it on, on Tuesdays. Um, and so that, that should be a, a fun way to kind of keep track of what's going on. Who, who you don't want to put in your lineup because they're not going to play or who might not play. So it's like a risk to have them in your lineup. Um, so hopefully you will enjoy that as well. So here we go. Time to name our winners. I want to say thanks again to everybody. Some of these were selected at random. Some of these were selected based on having a particularly good email. Um, and so everybody, thank you for your emails. And your winners are Kevin Kennedy, Riley Lanier, Emily Yale, Stuart McCrory, and Frank Garcia. Frank gets the Lifetime Achievement Award for emailing. Um, so congratulations to the five of you. You'll get an email uh, for with your one-year Ulti World Disc Golf subscription. We hope you'll join us in our Discord, which is just fantastic. It's better every day. Uh, great conversations around disc golf topics in general and of course around tournaments um we do our live shows in discord after elite series events just for subscribers and uh, a whole lot more lots of other benefits of course bonus segments every week here on the upshot and uh cash line newsletter exclusive articles and so hope you get to enjoy those benefits if you didn't win sorry 
we hope you consider getting a subscription of your own. It's less than $4 a month or $40 a year. Discgolf.ultiworld.com slash subscribe. All right, Josh. Let's dig into the rookie report. Two players, MPO, two players, FPO. They have to be eligible rookies. And that really limits the pool. I will say that <laughs> right off the top. Uh, but we, I think we've got a couple uh, good names here. Where do you want to start? Uh, you know, let's let's start over an F an MPO. Sorry, um, one. I think we talked a little bit about him last year, but this was for amateur world championships. Uh, we're going to start with Evan Scott. Evan Scott is from Duncan, South Carolina. I'm pulling this from his uh, UDISC page. So this is information you can find. He's sponsored by Discraft. You know, his PDGA number. I'm pretty sure Evan is a teenager. Uh, he is. Based on, yeah, playing in Junior Worlds. He has a PDGA number significantly lower than mine still. Uh, he's currently 1,008 rated as of the most recent updating. He jumped up three points. This is a uh, continuing increase. And, you know, he plays... Evan Scott plays in a lot of tournaments. Uh, you know, we do see him on the Pro Tour and we're seeing him at some of the big events, but he plays every tournament in between as well. And so Evan Scott really is on the grind. Last year in 2021, uh, he did still play in the Amateur World Championships. Uh, he took first in the 2021 Amateur World Championships uh, and then took seventh in the United States Amateur Disc Golf Championship. So and and if you're if you're really tuned in, you'll probably remember Evan Scott because he was on the feature card, the feature live card during the first round of the USDGC and kind of put down a round. Mm-hmm. And he he outshot James Conrad, Chris Dickerson, and Mason Ford on his card. And like this kid is really really special. Like he's he's been clearly going to be a great disc golfer since like age 14. Um, <laughs> he qualified for USDGC as a 16 year old. Uh, I think he got in on Monday qualifying in 2020 when he was 15. Mm-hmm. So like he is the real deal and we'll see, you know, what his ceiling could be. Um, where is he at so far? So first of all, he's tied in the uh, PDGA rookie of the year race with uh, Zach Hine and Micah Groth, who's going to be our other spotlight rookie. Um, so far this season, it's been up and down. Uh, he's played two Elite Series events, Waco and Texas States. He finished 70th and 61st, did not cash in either. Uh, he did just finish third place at an A tier in April behind Isaac Robinson and Jake Mon. Uh, so that was uh, in South Carolina. He was 64th at the PDGA Champions Cup, and he'll be at a bunch of other tournaments coming up this season. Currently, number 79 in the PDGA Tour rankings. Uh, So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what he can do this season. Yeah. How about about Micah Groth? Micah Groth, also from South Carolina, sponsored by Discraft. Um, Micah Groth has a finish this year. I mean, You know, we've talked a little bit about Evan Scott. Evan Scott was one definitely looking kind of at the potential last year. You see he's he's a great disc golfer. We know he's going to be doing well. Uh, Micah Groth, though, has some tournament results from this season that I think we really got to pay attention to. Uh, Micah Groth is 10-10 rated, so a little bit higher than Evan Scott. 
Um, he also, though, has a third place finish at Throw Down the Mountain from this year, finishing only behind Paul Macbeth and Calvin Heinberg, but beating out the likes of Thomas Gilbert, uh, Alex Russell, uh, lots of players. I mean, players that we recognize. He had a great finish, takes home eleven, almost $1,200 in cash from that tournament, and shot a 1026 and 1042 rated rounds at those tournaments. So, you know, that that is a finish for a rookie that I mean is very very notable and quite an exciting finish. I don't know what they're feeding the teenagers down there in South Carolina, <laughs> but it's working. It really uh, is. He 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 also cashed at Texas State, finished fiftieth. Um, he was fifty first at the Champions Cup, and he'll also be playing a number of upcoming DGPT events. Um, and he's uh, signed up for Worlds. He also won the National Amateur Disc Golf Championships in 2021 so you know he's he's kind of your classic like really really talented youth player coming up Mm -hmm. and getting ready to start making a splash on tour and so those are your two mpo rookies we will keep an eye on them all season long and keep you posted about how they're doing in the uh, rookie of the year race so over on the fpo side we're going to follow along with aria castrita the young texan Somebody that you may know, the name, Melody, her sister, also a very good disc golfer. And Aria is currently 920 rated. She's got 15 career wins, $4,500 in career earnings. And she's been out at a bunch of Elite Series events so far this year. Uh, She finished uh, in the cash, 14th place at LVC. She was 17th at Texas States. Didn't cash, but was still a strong performance at the PDGA Champions Cup, finishing 22nd. And uh, currently leading the FPO Rookie of the Year race in the PDGA standings, although, of course, it's very early. Uh, So we'll see what Aria Castrita can do this season. Well, what's crazy about Aria is that last year she won the PDGA Junior World Disc Golf Championships in the 15 and under division. And she was 35 strokes clear of the field. Hello. So 30, 31, sorry, 31 strokes clear of the field. Another young teenager and playing great so far while she's on the pro tour. So yeah, he's definitely one to watch. She finished second in the junior world's putting competition. She finished first in the skill shot competition. So still incredibly young, yeah, like incredibly insane young. talent. You know, the, te- the Texas pipeline into elite FBO disc golf is very real. Yes, it is. Our other FPO rookie uh, rookie watch is on Julie Moens. Julie is out of Canada and is sponsored by Castaplast. Uh, turned pro just last year, and you know Julie is not on full time tour right now. Unlike our other three rookies, I think part of that is definitely explained by the fact she's from Canada, and so access geography wise is not quite as easy. Uh, she's nine twenty eight rated, and you know has a fourteenth place finish at the Las Vegas Challenge, cashing there, and then has played in three other local tournaments, winning all three of them this year in Open. Um, she's one to watch for future could be on tour full time next year. May- maybe not this year, you know, going to see her on as much, but she does have some tournaments coming up. Yeah. She'll be playing Portland open, uh, disc, uh, Ledge- Ledgestone Canadian national championships. 
I don't know if she's going to end up signing up for Worlds or whatnot, but uh, a, a very interesting player to watch. She's another ultimate Frisbee convert. And I think, you know, the profile isn't quite the same because they don't have the same kind of game, but mm-hmm. very similar to me to Ella Hansen, where you have somebody who's a good ultimate player who is making the transition to disc golf and seeing a lot of success. And we saw Ella kind of not really go on full-time tour last year. And then boom, now this year she's, she's all in. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw something similar from Julie. I don't know what her background is as uh, you know, a professional in like her day, day to day job, but uh, that's going to be something to watch for because definitely talented enough to be out there on tour and somebody will be keeping an eye on this season in our rookie report. Well, Charlie, something that's exciting. Last year, she took second at the Amateur Disc Golf World Championships to Allie Smith, only one stroke back. And back then, she was, so last year, she was 883 rated. And she is now 928. Booming upwards right now. Booming. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I mean, someone who, not only if we're just talking about access to tour, but has just, in one year, skyrocketed. So... Uh, she's definitely someone we're going to be keeping our eye on throughout the season and, and hopefully into next year too. So that is our rookie report and we will check in with them throughout the season. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to run down the A tier results from the weekend and we're going to play a little devil's advocate. Don't go anywhere. It's the upshot. The Upshot is presented by Pound Disc Golf, makers of the best bags in the sport. And you know what? If you want to get the custom pack that you envision in your mind's eye, the pack of your dreams, you can do it at any time. Go to pounddiscgolf.com and you can get your custom Octothor, your custom Octahall, your custom Carlton, your custom toolbox, and their custom pack builders are now open all the time. No more waiting for drops or hoping that you get lucky. You can just go build your pack. You can tinker with it for a while before you hit the order button, but you can check it all out on their website and you can just design it exactly how you want from the zippers to the main flap to the bottom of the pack, exactly what you envision. Pounddiscgolf.com. Welcome back to The Upshot. So it wasn't a big DGPT tournament weekend, but of course there was still plenty of disc golf happening around the country and the world. So we're going to run down the A-tier results from the weekend. We'll start with the big events that had uh, notable pro players in the field. And why don't we begin, Josh, with the challenge at Goat Hill. Pretty interesting results out in California. Alden Harris getting a one-stroke win over Luke Sampson in MPO and Owen Scoggins beating out Jen Allen by three strokes. So a really nice win for Alden Harris, who continues to trend in the right direction. Yeah, and and the Challenger Goat Hill had featured uh, Drew Gibson and uh, um, Anthony Barella. I mean, it's it's all it's been a previous Silver Series in the past, and so it's it's well attended, especially for an A tier. So this is a nice win for Alden Harris, and and like you said, trending the right direction. I was actually watching this one on Sunday, keep an eye on the FPO scores because Jen Allen and Owen Scoggins went into the final round tied, and I just thought it's so fun that you know 
owns Goggins is able to take it to Jen Allen on what is a bomber course. It is a power Just course. Proving the own does her game better than anybody else, and she can take that and just win with it anywhere. So it's really exciting for own coverage of that tournament over on Central Coast Disc Golf. Uh, the 303 Open took place in Colorado. This one's over on Gatekeeper Media. Kyle Klein wins by four strokes over Joel Freeman, and Rebecca Cox beats out Deanne Carey and Sammy Joe Guerrero by four strokes. Uh, Kyle Klein shot a 1086 rated first round. Now, you know, winning a random A tier, Kyle Klein, like normally, who cares? <laughs> Kyle Klein has really struggled this season to start his tournament strong. He's had mm-hmm. a lot of poor rounds in round one. I think it is very, very encouraging to see him come out and beat a good field uh, in Colorado at the 303 Open. And, uh, you know, is this the start of the turnaround for Kyle Klein's season? I sure hope so. It is you know encouraging to see. I think Kyle Klein was in the lead for most of the tournament, and it's nice to see. This is one that, you know, just based on ratings alone, Kyle Klein should have won handedly, and and so it's good to see him kind of take that down and take care of business. It's it's something you talk about in regular sports all in other sports all the time. Regular sports, something you talk about in other sports, not disc golf, all the time, is that you have to you know. The, the hallmark of a good team is stepping up in the big moments and then taking care of business when you really should. And so good for Kyle Klein to, to make sure to do that. I think it is a good way to start t- the turnaround for his season. Uh, and then and out in uh, Helsinki, there was a Prodigy Disc Pro Tour tournament. And uh, over an FPO, Heidi Lane wins by a stroke. Not a lot of the top uh, European female players in attendance. Uh, and then interesting, in MPO... Nicholas Antila loses by a stroke to the 10-11 rated Christian Quoxa. So shout out to Christian for getting the win over arguably the best player in Europe at uh, the first PDPT event of the year. Yeah, I'm not much to say there, but it's it's exciting. And I think it just shows the depth of talent in Europe that we don't even get to fully see because not everyone's able to come over on tour and I'm excited for a stretch where we're going to have a lot of American players over in Europe and we get to kind of see these guys featured at their home courses and the U.S. players are playing up against them there. In other A-tier news, uh, Robert Burridge and Sandy Hendel win the Lower Peninsula Open. Nick Carl and Elaine King win the Loco Open. Tyler Horn and Macy Vela Diaz win the Lexington Open. Henrik Hagman and Sophie Bjorlicke, I, I tried, uh, win the Helsingborg <laughs> Tournament over in Sweden. And the City of Mobile Championships in Alabama, Amelia Marshall wins in FPO, and you know it, Matt Oram wins in MPO. So that is our A-tier report from the weekend, and it's time to play a little devil's advocate. Josh, I know you got a take for me. Hit me with it. I do. And this is one that we had an email um, a couple emails that talked a little bit about the West Coast swing and and some different takes on it. And, and this year, the West Coast swing has a really interesting balance between the Silver Series and the Elite Series events. We're about to come into four West Coast tournaments that are going to start this coming weekend with Masters at De La Viega. Uh, and then we're going to have and finish out the stretch with the OTB Open. You have then Beaver State Fling and the Portland Open as kind of the 
tournament over on that West Coast swing. So, Charlie, my take for you is I think that the Silver Series events are better than the Elite Series events on the docket for the West Coast swing this year. Mm. Okay, so you're saying that Masters Cup and Beaver State Fling are better than OTB Open and Portland Open. Correct. And now for those who may be a little bit newer to the sport, Masters Cup and Beaver State Fling both have previously been national tour events. Like They've had some... Le- legend Le- national yes, tour yes. events. Like every Le- year national <laughs> tour events. Um, when, the, uh, when COVID happened, you had the national tour cancellation. And then last year, you had some weather concerns that really did damage to the Beaver State, Milo MacGyver Park. Uh, and the Beaver State fling ended up being canceled due to course damage, as well as uncertain COVID restrictions. And so they have really suffered in the past couple of years in terms of the ability just to host them. And now with the collapsing of the tours, these two events are brought to us on Silver Series events. There has been interest expressed in trying to get these events as to elite series events but one of the biggest concerns is the ability to do live coverage cell service at de la as well as milo macgyver is not ideal and it's not conducive for live disc golf nor really spectators uh, and that's been one of the biggest concerns so charlie what are your thoughts well this is the devil's advocate segment so regardless of my my actual <laughs> deeply held beliefs uh i'm going to argue for why you're wrong uh, okay and so here's here's the thing. Look, I think we can all appreciate what those tournaments are. Masters Cup, Beaver State Fling. They're 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 great. I mean, particularly the Milo course, well-loved Philobatross, you know, <laughs> like many memories, Portland Worlds. Uh there's it's a special course. I'll give you mm-hmm. that. However, however, Josh. The OTB Open and the Portland Open represent the new wave of elite disc golf tournaments. And Masters Cup and Beaver State Fling are stuck in the past. And so, look, you can tell me all you want about how OTB's course is, you know, it's too open, it's too this, too that. If you're actually being honest, right, remember... Last year, when the OTB Open sort of debuted, and I know it was previously mm-hmm. San Francisco Open, and they moved it to Stockton, California, they built a whole new course. Yep. And you know what? This is the course, really, that kicked off. We're going to make a really long, hard course. Like, this was the first one to do that. This was it. And then we saw other tournaments try to do the kind of match this. But, like, they actually took this property, this golf course property, and they made it into a disc golf course. Mm-hmm. And it was hard. And it was long. And it was demanding. And the thing is, even as we saw, sure, some players complain. That's because they don't throw far enough. Okay? But this is a test of the player's ability to shape lines and throw far. It's not just wide open LVC. Okay? It's not just hyzer fast. It's not. You have to shape lines. You have to throw right to left. You have to be able to throw rollers. You have to be able to have control onto little peninsula greens that has water all around. And frankly, it's a very interesting tournament to watch as far as golf courses go. Not only that, but the tournament is run in extremely professional fashion. 
they, they've been pushing the boundaries in terms of making it an event to go out and spectate. And like they, you know, they're kicking things off with the, with the concert series this year at OTB. Mm-hmm. So to me, this is the, this is the standard that is being set for what a, what an elite tournament looks like. Now you can debate me on whether the course is, is your favorite or not, but the fact is it's not just about that. It's about all of the other amenities. It's about how you treat the spectators. And this tournament, led by Sean Jack, has been at the forefront of delivering on those parts of the experience. Guess what? Masters Cup, Beaver State Fling, absolutely not. Okay? <laughs> the Masters Cup, De La, Viaga, De La Viaga, it is a relic. Okay? It is a relic. It is, sure, it's historic. Great. Well, the fairways cross. You're going to get decapitated walking to your disc. <laughs> It's insane. Like there's 24 holes. I don't even know how many holes there are. There's a, they, they just make new holes up sometimes. I don't want to see that. I want 18 good holes. Now, sure, they can make updates. They can get better. I would, I would like to see it. I appreciate the historic nature of the course. But this is a course designed for players of the past. It is not designed for players of today. And as a result, it suffers a little bit from those things. Beaver State Fling... I mean, it, we haven't even seen this tournament in so long. Like, all it has is a course. That's it. That's all it's got. Okay? Portland Open, they, they're renting out facilities. There's people you can have. You can come out and watch, and you can have cell coverage, and you can enjoy the experience. And let's be honest, it was they, they, they had to scramble to pull together a course in, like, three weeks or something yes. last year, and it was good. Mm-hmm. Now it's going right? to be improved. Yes. yes. It's going to yeah. be improved. And we're going to see that tournament continue to take steps forward as they probably go to a two and two, four day uh, style event. Beaver State Fling, again, it's a little bit of a relic. And so give me the OTB Open and the Portland Open any day of the week, Josh. You know, Charlie, I think you make an impassionate and compelling argument about the way that OTB and Portland have have kind of structured around the future of disc golf. Here's what I want to make my argument for, though, against you here. I remember at OTB when you made the over-under and said nobody would shoot double-digit scores (laughs) at OTB Open, and then Eagle promptly shot a 13 in round one (laughs) and just embarrassed you. Because remember, the AM day came in at like a 1,000 rated, like three over par or something. Yeah, I do remember that. And you're like, oh, just no chance. There's no way. (laughs) That that was the genesis of me never betting against pro shooting double digits (laughs) under par. I think you did it again, though. I think you did it two or three more times. I I think I maybe did. Before you finally learned your lesson. Here, here's the problem. Eagle comes out and takes our what you call relics, and you know, and, and you have Simon and you have guys who can throw further than ever before. And we said, wow, our courses aren't properly designed for that distance. We need to eagle proof our courses. You know what happens when you eagle or tiger proof courses by stretching them out? You make it so that Eagle wins them both. That's what happened. Eagle comes in and wins both OTB and Portland because he throws further than everybody else. Now, don't get me wrong. Portland had some drama at the end. I'll I'll give you that. It it was exciting at the end. But I don't want to see our solution to, wow, pros can throw further. Let's continue to stretch it. Be the trend of here's how we solve 
for disc golf design moving forward. And I think that that's a dangerous trend to take where we say, well, the relics just aren't designed for today's game. Let's stretch it out to 13, 12, 11,000 feet and continue to pull it out because we have the preserve that does that. And now we added OTB and Portland and you have Vegas that isn't particularly long, but does have the bomber feel to it and continues to grow. Here's my argument against about why you need the relics though. You're right that Portland and OTB have the best amenities and are going to have continue that professional, clean look. But courses like MacGyver and tournaments like Masters Cup, because remember back, I think it was 2017, when it was Matt Bell and Paul Macbeth and Ricky Wysocki, and they are playing in a torrential downpour and just trying to keep their discs on the ridges of the holes that are Daylaw and trying to prevent the rollaways and the root kicks. And they're just doing everything they can to slog through this round. I remember that because I still go back and watch the post-produced from Beaver State Flings and from Masters Cups from five, six years ago, even when live disc golf is an option. You know why? Because those are exciting and compelling rounds to watch. And sometimes the Roller Olympics aren't. And that brings new people into the sport. It captivates them. It Watching Philo's Albatross and seeing that clip and watching the way a disc can fly through Milo MacGyver shows the potential of flight of disc golf. It shows the most exciting moments of puring just one of that are very easy to visualize lines. That That's one of the big things about OTB in Portland. If you land 100 feet left, you're out of position at Portland, but that's super hard to visualize for both live or post-produced coverage. Whereas Milo, it's very easy to see. Daylaw, it's very easy to see, and it's very receptive. That kick now puts him out of position. He can't even see the green. That, you know, he overturned his disc. He's not going to be able to beat the corner. He's got to pitch out. Those are easy to visualize lines and golf in a way that appeals to, I think, a large variety of not the diehards who are looking for specifically the, oh, I here's what I need. I need the amenities. I need to make sure the spectator lines are, are nice and that there's the every, you know, the features of the pro tour that you're looking for, Charlie. I think the 90% who are watching Jomez, who are watching post-produce, which can I just say, what a shame that these courses aren't going to be on Jomez this year. Uh, the, the, the majority of people who are watching post-produce still that draw in the new audience and get people excited about professional disc golf are Silver Series this year. And I think that that is a tragedy. We're going to leave it there. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's edition of The Upshot. We'll be back with you on Thursday. And of course, our interview series continues tomorrow on Wednesday. The Masters Cup is coming up this weekend. We'll talk about it on Thursday right here on The Upshot.